Welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment, stick around. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yeah, the pun is totally intended. And now, here's your host, the Blind Jesus Freak himself, Mike Calvo. Hello there once again. Welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast. My name is Mike Calvo, and I am joined tonight by the infamous Jamie Pauls. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Good to be with you again. You know, but people are time shifting, so you never know. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, and of course, never to be outdone because she is not outdoneable. We have Lisa Salinger. Welcome. Thank you. I don't know if that was an insult or a compliment. Oh, no, it's a compliment. Why do you always... Outdoneable, you do, I love you it. You do these big, huge it. pauses every time I welcome you to the podcast. Like, Oh, do I? You, you do. Well, next time I'll be the auctioneer <laughs> out of the gate. How's that? <laughs> no happy medium. Oh, no, but let me tell you guys, I am so thankful for uh, all that's been going on and, and all the support that you guys have been providing We've uh, gotten some emails. Twitter's been happening just a little bit, not a whole lot, but we do invite uh, anybody listening to the podcast, whether it be in our live chat room, which we have a number of people here tonight as we record, but also uh, through Twitter at Blind Jesus Freak, visiting us on the web at www.blindjesusfreak.com. And uh, we will soon have a Facebook page. I promise we will. We will. But uh, for those that are here in our listening audience tonight, please do feel free to give us a what's up on the text chat over there. And also, do leave us your prayer requests. Prayer requests are very important because immediately after the podcast, we go and sneak off to the Samnet chat room and in the fellowship room on Samnet, we then pray for all of you and for what you've asked for prayer for. And we just come into agreement that the Lord do with your prayers what is in his will to do. But uh, anyway, last week we got a lot of uh, response to the Ginny Owens interview. I know, Jamie, that was a favorite for you. And uh, you got to finally hear the final production of the whole thing. Quite good. Uh, it's very excellent. Yes. Yeah, she was amazing. So we thank her and we certainly hope to have more folks like that to come. If you have a testimony or you think that you have a, a story to share, we really do want to hear from you. Please email us at info at blindjesusfreak.com if you have a word from the Lord that you'd like to share for our community. This is not just me talking at you. This is truly what I hope to be an interactive situation where we start a conversation perhaps, but we totally depend on you to bring it to come to pass. People say, well, what is this whole, you know, Blind Jesus Freak podcast about? And what it really is about people is just us communicating as blind Christians. Yes, we teach the Bible. Yes, we raise up the name of Jesus, but we kind of do it from a blindness perspective. And our examples, our life situations really depend on what it's like to be visually impaired and walk through life and walking through life with Jesus. And it is different for everybody. I personally have uh, dealt with quite a few things, and we're going to talk about uh, some things tonight 
that are going to be very interesting for blind Christians that you perhaps have thought of or not thought of before, but we'd be very interested in your comments. But before we do that, Lisa has an email to read. I do. We had an email from Kate, and she says, Well, listening to this is in relation to podcast two. Well, listening to the episode, I read the verses in multiple translations. I particularly like the wording of verse 13 from the Geneva Bible, published in 1599. I am able to do all things through the help of Christ, which strengtheneth me. For full disclosure, I should probably mention that I updated the spelling from what looks like late Middle English. Anyway, I like that wording and thought I would share it with you. Well, thank you so much, Kate. God bless you, and please do tell others and uh, continue to uh, let us know what you like or what you don't like, if there's anything that you don't like or any suggestions or what have you. So tonight we're going to talk about pressing on towards the goal. And we're going to be in, again, the book of Philippians. It seems that this book is uh, of particular interest when it comes to goal setting and that kind of thing. It's a very powerful book. And we're going to open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to be in verses 12, 13, and 14. Jamie, this is a very powerful section of Scripture. And I think it really calls us to understand our calling as Kind of Paul discusses his calling as he is writing to the church at Philippi, which of course, as we talked about before, is his favorite. I think it's the only church that he allowed to support him and, and actually sow into his ministry financially. So, would you like for me to go ahead and read those first few scriptures right now? Absolutely. I'll be happy to do that. Beginning in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, here he's talking about that he hasn't reached his goal, and none of us really have. I mean, once we, the goal is, of course, to get back home to Jesus and glory. So, the good work he has begun in us, he will bring to completion in his time. So, as you see, it's all about him. So, what Paul is first saying here is not that I have already obtained all this, And this is, of course, his calling, or I have already been made perfect. We don't perfect. That's one of the very important things here is that we don't perfect ourselves in the world before we came to the Lord. That was a big thing. Oh, I've got to do this right. You know, and a lot of us carry that into our faith walk where we will say, well, I've got to do this right. I've got to do this right for God. I can't let God down. God is really expecting this of me. I feel so bad for folks, and I actually remember when I was a a young Christian, and I used to do that myself, where, oh, I'm I'm not going to live up to God's expectation. Folks, He is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the end from the beginning, and He loves you anyway. He loves me anyway. He knows the mistakes we're going to make 
He knew them, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. And he loved us anyway. He sent Jesus for us anyway. And that to me is so amazing because God being able to just kind of wipe the slate clean and start all over again, he didn't do that. Instead, he went the complete opposite and he took the shape of a man. He took the body of a man, you know, and became one of us and demonstrated to us the way that we needed to live and made the sacrifice that none of us would have ever been able to make. And that was to give Jesus as that perfect sacrifice. And because of that, now not only can we spend eternity with the Lord, but also through the blessing of salvation and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we've actually been able to return to an open communication with the Father. The Holy Spirit is our way of communicating with the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to leave you a teacher and a helper. And that helper or that connection to the Father is through the Holy Spirit. And that is literally, for those of us who are used to being connected on the internet and whatnot, the best analogy I've been able to think of late is that's kind of our always-on connection, Jamie, you know, and it's wireless, so we can have it everywhere we go, and there's no overage charges. (laughs) You can use it as much as you want. How does this speak to you? I mean, just this whole thing about the calling. I mean, everybody has a calling. Everyone does. And it's one of those things I think we kind of spend our lives trying to understand what that is. And some people stress over it. Some people maybe don't think about it as much as perhaps they should. But I think it's one of those things that as we just live our daily life and try to listen to what we feel we hear God saying to us, we can begin to kind of watch that calling unfold more and more in our lives. Yeah, I find it interesting here that Paul says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It's a battle sometimes. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier today and they were just telling me, you know, God can take this pain away. God can take all of these things away. And I said to the person, I said, but he didn't do that for his own son. You know, in this world, there will be trials. And Jesus promised that he would be with us through those and that they would never be more than we can handle. Why? Well, because if you would have gotten saved and immediately just been translated, just, you know, drop dead right after you, you know, I mean, that's something that people say all the time. Well, why after I get saved, don't I just drop dead? And that's the end of that. Right. Because God's got a purpose. He's going to use you to win the rest of the world to Christ. And it doesn't matter where you were, who you were what you did before. Many of you have heard my story about growing up in South Florida, growing up involved in gang activity and in drugs and things like that. And if you ever uh, are interested in hearing the full testimony, you can visit the website and there's a testimony up there that talks a little bit about that. There's a more extensive one up there that talks a lot about my own conversion experience. But all of us have a past. And of course, When we come to the Lord, we think, well, first of all, we think, well, now that he's accepted me, which I don't think he should have accepted me to begin with, what talents do I have to bring to the table? And that is, I think, one of the hardest things for us to understand about the faith walk is that rarely, if ever, does God use our pre-existing talents to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And that's because 
if we were to just flow in what we did when we were in the world, well, then all we did was just kind of Christianize our worldly activity, right? I mean, it's not like, oh, God gave me all these new talents. I can assure you that when I was in the world, I didn't even talk the way I do today. I didn't sound like this. I didn't talk like this. In fact, my vocabulary was quite disgusting and full of uh, very colorful language, shall we say. So not only is the language different, but previous to this, I mean, when I came in to trying to do Serotech, I had no idea what I was getting into. All I knew is that God had given me such a burden for my community and a burden for blind kids because this blind kid right here never had any mentors. I never had anybody that I could talk to. I never had anybody that I could look up to. I had wonderful parents, but they didn't know what to do with a blind kid. And there was no real network that they knew how to plug into. We didn't have the World Wide Web. We didn't have any of that stuff. Now, of course, you know, you've got the NFB, uh, you know, the Parents of Blind Children and all kinds of other very awesome programs, but that didn't exist to my parents. It may have existed. It may very well have existed, but it was not something that was readily available to them. When I got saved and the Lord started laying on my heart the burden that he had for blind people, and I believe really invited me to share in that. And I remember, and there are many times to this day that I feel so unworthy of what I do. And that's not false humility, Jamie. It's just really true, man. I am a drop out of high school, dude. I have no qualifications to do what I do here at all. Well, you know, I, I think as you were talking about talents and God not always using our pre-existing ones, I think if we can just fake it, so to speak, I mean, if, if we do something we're comfortable with, we can do it if uh, God's really in it or not. And so we can go through the motions. If it's something that's outside of our comfort zone, he'd better be there or we're in trouble. Well, yeah, and that's where taking hold of the vision and really pressing in to that vision. The picture I get is, of course, of a runner. And Paul uses that same vernacular, you know, of talking about a runner, you know, running towards the finish line. And the Christian faith walk, of course, is a faith walk. It's not a faith run. Sometimes it feels like a faith crawl, but it really is a faith walk. And it's a marathon, y'all. It's not something that you just, you say, well, I'm going to just try this Christian thing. I was talking to another buddy of mine who called me today and he had been dealing with some challenges and he said, man, Mikey, you know, I realize faith is one of those things. It's like manna. You got to have it every day. You can't count on yesterday's faith to deal with today's problems. I said, dude, that's so good. You know, I'm going to use it tonight on the podcast because it really blessed me. There are so many of these little sayings that bless my socks off. Richard just gave us a great quote on the uh, text chat, and that is that every sinner has a past and every saint has a future. Interestingly enough, the word saint is used in the Bible a number of times, but interesting, as we were talking earlier, Jamie, it's not used in the single. It's used in the plural. You know, when you brought that up, I had never thought of that until you said that, but... Yeah, you're correct. The saints of God, not saint so-and-so. We in the church world talk about, we even joke about so-and-so being a saint. And that's almost, maybe not a put-down, but it's almost uh, if someone is just, you know, holier than everyone else or whatever. But you're right, the plural is in Scripture. 
the saints of God. That's a great and excellent point. And the reason for that, I think, is because we all are connected. We're called the body of Christ. And because we're the body of Christ, I mean, if I put my hand on the stove, if my hand is starting to burn, (laughs) my brain says, hey, it's hot. And my mouth says, ouch. You know, and the whole body just seems to jump into first gear to work together to get my hand off that stove. Likewise, if I smell something tasty cooking in the kitchen, well, my nose smells it, Mm, my mouth begins to water and my stomach begins to growl and the rest of my body, come on, let's go eat. You know, and it's the way that Jesus describes us and Paul covers is we are the body of Christ and the body of Christ is made up of saints. And we are to support one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to bless one another. We're to also pray for one another in such a way that we get words of knowledge for one another. Now, I don't want to touch too much on if that was for then and this is for now. I think that God still speaks to his people. I think God speaks to his people all the time. And if it's not necessarily out of burning bushes, notice how everybody has an individual experience. You know, nobody else in the Bible had a burning bush experience except for Moses. Don't be waiting for your burning bush experience. (laughs) God's going to talk to you in a way that will only work for you and that will be unique to you. So when I say God does still speak to his people, It may not be an audible voice out of a burning bush, and I certainly hope it's not go and sacrifice one of your children, but God will definitely speak to you, and I think that one of the ways that God speaks to us is through other believers after they pray for us, and the Lord lays it on their heart to say, hey, you know, uh, why don't you go tell Jamie so-and-so and whatever, and it's not a matter of always saying, oh, well, Jamie said it, so it must be true. Generally, When God gives us a purpose or gives us a desire to go do something, and it's confirmed in the mouth of a couple of other witnesses, it really does establish for us, oh, well, that must be because if this person has what God said to me this morning, for me at least, the Lord must have spoken to them. And I've heard people say, too, that when God speaks something to them, he may speak one or two things, but to the person that it's spoken to, because you know the rest of the story, you almost get the feeling, wow, they know my entire life. <laughs> you know, God showed them everything. No, that's not even necessarily true. No, it's God not. God just spoke <laughs> those one or two things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, do you know what I did? No, shh, don't tell me. I don't want to no. hear it. But it's true. I mean, sometimes the Lord lets you know enough so that you are challenged to say, wow, God, was that you? And when you go to him and he confirms it, whether it be, again, through prayer, through reading of your word, sometimes God will speak to us through scripture, it's not just going to be an easy thing. You know, the Bible talks about knocking. It talks about seeking. It's about asking. And even here in verse 13, Paul talks about pressing in, taking hold of It is not something that's always done easily. He talks about straining. You know, I've seen so many Christians that say, oh, you know, God gave me a new job. Oh, really? And they get all excited, you know, and you see them a couple weeks later and they're like, oh, uh, you know, I got another job. Wait a minute. Didn't the Lord give you a job a couple weeks ago? Yeah, but you know, I went there and people were not nice and they didn't 
treat me nice and they were mean and the boss was like this or like that and I didn't like the hours and, you know, and pay wasn't exactly what they said it was. So God must have not been in it. Really? So because the situation may have just been a little negative, may have not been what you were looking for, God may have not been in it. And the same friend that told me about the faith thing was telling me he had a very interesting experience where he went to go apply for a job and the employer that he was going to said, you know, the position we are hiring you for, we are actually considering just eliminating it because we don't believe that we need it. And this is after the interview, of course. And my friend said, you know, Mikey, I was praying that night and I was asking the Lord, what am I going to do? Because I really felt that this job was for me. And the Lord has told this man to go and tell the owner of that business, I will work for you for three months for nothing. Wow. And my friend was like, Mikey, I was like, would you talk about Jesus? You know, I've never done anything like that. And he went to the man, and this is about two weeks ago, he went to the man and he told the man this, and the man was shocked. And he said, you know, I'm being obedient to God, and I'm telling you what God has laid upon my heart. And thank God that the owner of the business was a believer as well, so he kind of got it. And he says, well, you know, let's see what God is going to do. And the last conversation that I had with this man Now the guy's talking about, you know, I need a business partner and I don't know how this is going to work, but we really need to see how this is going to work out. So sometimes, and my friend was all kinds of thinking, man, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know. And he even got in the midst of all of that. You want to talk about some mixed signals in the midst of that. He got another job offer that (laughs) offered him like, 80, 90 grand a year, but he didn't feel peace about it. He didn't feel a peace about it. He went over there and he said, Mikey, I'm going to have to work 12 to 14 hours a day. I'm not going to have time with my family. I'm not going to have time with my wife. Plus the guy just seems like he's just going to, you know, be cracking the whip all the time. And I said, you know, the Holy Spirit, and this is what I mean, guys, about talking to one another. I stopped and I listened and I just hung out with him. I'm listening to him and I'm really listening I'm not listening to just kind of answer him back. I'm listening and I'm I'm really saying, okay, God, what are you saying here? And I say, you know, I think that what God is doing here is a difference between law and grace. Believe in what you see or what you don't see. You know, what you see, well, here you got an offer on the table for 80 grand. You know, it's going to be 80 grand or so, maybe a little bit more. You know, you got 12 to 14 hours a day. You know that you're not going to be able to see your kids much. You know, that's the sure thing, dude. But you got grace. You got faith. God just told you a couple weeks ago, go look for this guy and go work for him for 90 days. And if I were you, if it were me, I would at least go through those 90 days and see what God is going to do. So he turned the other one down. This is about a week and a half ago. And now today we talk on the phone And we're talking partnerships. We're talking now the guy's offering him a part of his business. And had he gone for the sure thing, had he said, well, you know, maybe I misheard God at the beginning, he wouldn't have never had that. So the thing here for us is to tune in to what our calling is 
and not to focus on the past. So many of us have been told, Jamie, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do the other and you'll never amount to this and you'll never amount to that. And we've just never gotten that hope. And you can't allow that to define what God is going to do with you. I mean, if you look at Paul, Paul was a murderer. Paul used to set out to kill Christians. And this guy wrote, what, 13 books in the Bible? Out of, the, Lord, uh, yeah. out of the 27 in the New Testament? That's amazing to me. When you go from Abram to Abraham, my goodness, I mean... Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, is he changed the names. I don't know if he... Did, well, yeah, I guess I was going to say, I don't know if he does that in the New Testament, but yeah, you got Peter, which who was Simon. You've got Saul, of course, who was Paul. And in the Old Testament, you've got guys like Jacob, <laughs> the conniver, all of these various names that you read in the different translations. Because in the Bible... Everybody's name means something. Uh, not just in the Bible, but everybody's name, period, means something. And it seems that uh, in the Bible in particular, <laughs> people really lived up to their names. And Jacob was uh, the conniver, the deal maker, all kinds of other things I've read in various translations. And God changed his name to Israel. And Richard is the theologian in the group. So what does Israel mean, Richard? There's a little homework for you there, but do let us know. But you can't allow who you were, what you did in your life before, to affect who you're going to be in Christ. Chances are that he's going to use you to do something that you would have never, ever thought of doing on your own. You can't allow your past to define your future. God is not remembering your past. You know, God is not remembering it at all. In fact, the Bible calls us a new creation in Christ. So many people that I meet today are shocked about, you used to run in gangs, you used to be involved in drugs, you used to, you're a high school dropout. Yeah, I mean, all of those things. And that is no longer who I am. That is not what defines me. What defines me is what Christ has called me to be. You know, and that's what defines you brothers and sisters. And those of you who are listening who don't know what your calling is, who are just saying, you know, Mike, that's great for you. You seem so secure in what you're doing and and all of that, but God's not going to do that for me. Well, you know what? The Bible says that he's not a respecter of persons, which means that what he'll do for me, he'll do for you, he'll do for Jamie, he'll do for anybody. God doesn't have grandkids. God doesn't have stepkids. God only has sons and daughters. And the Bible says that we are accepted in the beloved. So if I'm struggling with my past, if I'm thinking about things I've done that I shouldn't have done, and those memories about two o'clock in the morning kind of come back to you, how do you deal with that? What do you do? Well, the Bible says that you renew your mind. The Bible is full of places that tell you what God thinks about you, what his plans are for you, starting with that he has good plans for you not to harm you. I mean, we could stop right there and just say, you know, God, your word says that you have a plan for me, a good plan and not to harm me. But there's more than that. And not to mention the fact that he sent his son to die for you, to take your place. All the things that you did in your past, they've all been paid for. They're all done. And God didn't do that because you were such a terrible person in the way of, oh, you know, I woke up and I just decided I was going to just do that because I wanted to do it because I hated God. We were born predisposed. We were born with what's called original sin. 
Okay, which means that that hatred, that rebellion towards God, that desire to do what we wanted to do more than what God wanted us to do, lived in us from the moment we were born. Ironically enough, one of the conversations I've had with people is about babies. You know, if you look at a baby, a baby is truly the most selfish creature on the face of the planet. And before you throw rocks at me, think about it. (laughs) You know, what does that baby do? And if you observe a baby, that baby, from the moment that it's born and it makes a little noise, everybody's there to serve it. You know, wow, okay, you've served the baby. Yes, the baby is helpless, granted. But if you, after a little while, when the baby realizes that it can cry and it can get your attention, when it's hungry, when it wants something, it will then pump up the volume. It doesn't care. It has no regard for if mommy has a headache. It doesn't care if mommy is recovering, if mommy's tired, if mommy's got two other toddlers that she's taking care of. It doesn't care. It just wants its food and it will wail louder and louder and louder and it will be all about them because they are sinful. They're not thinking about anybody. They don't have any consideration. Oh, because babies are so innocent. No, they're just focused on them. That has nothing to do with innocence. It has to do with, I'm always on my mind. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I am I am the most important thing to me. And if you have demonstrated to me through your action that I can cry and I'm always on my mind, well, if I'm always on my mind and I want something, I will cry, and then you will give me what I want. And if you don't give it to me fast enough, I will cry louder and louder and louder until I get what I want. And if you observe those of us who have kids, I know, Jamie, you don't have kids, but I'm sure you have nieces and nephews. Right. Who teaches a child to lie? (laughs) They just seem to kind of innately know how to do that. Um, they do. Bill yeah. Cosby covered it in, yeah. in, his, in, in his comedy album one time about a lie. We are born predisposed to sin. You know, and the thing is that once we get saved, once we invite Jesus into our lives, what's happened is the chain, the attachment to that sin, the need to sin, because prior to coming to the Lord, we needed to sin. It was what we lived for. The Bible says that we were a slave to it. Instead of being a slave to sin, now we are a bondservant to Christ, which means that we will now serve Him. You see, we were created to serve something. Mankind was created to serve something. And because of the fall in the garden of Adam and Eve, we became servants of sin. When Christ died on the cross and offered us the gift of salvation— and really what it, what the gift of salvation besides eternal life with Christ of course one of the awesome things that it does in the here and now is it reconnects you back to your original plan that God had for you and that's important to know why well think about it if you were out there and you had no nothing no clothing no food no money no anything and you broke in somewhere to steal a sandwich Okay, and to eat a sandwich. It's not right that you stole, okay, to get that sandwich. But most people would look, if you were to go to a court of law, most people would look and say, you know, I can totally understand if you were destitute, you had nothing, and you were starving, and you needed to eat. I could totally understand why you stole that sandwich. But now, if 
by some chance you had a refrigerator full of food, you had a bank account full of money, and you went out and you stole the sandwich, well then why would you do that? Why would you do that? And God is saying, look, I understand what you did. I understand who you were. And my son's blood is going to wipe all that away. And he's going to give you eternal time with me, with us. Not only that, but he's going to make your life here on earth better. That doesn't mean that he's going to give you a Mercedes Benz. That doesn't mean he's going to give you a caddy or, you know, or millions of dollars in the bank. I mean, sure, there is the possibility of having a very successful business, a very successful ministry, you know, whatever it is that God wants to do. But that's not a requirement. God is not a genie in a bottle. But he does have a plan for us. And that plan is something that we tap into at the moment of salvation. Once we get saved, once we get our eternal salvation out of the way and our redemption out of the way by accepting the free gift of salvation, then it's time to go to work, people. Then it's time to seek and ask, okay, God, not what is your plan for my life? Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. Your life belongs to him. The question, the right question is, okay, God, what are you doing? Where are you going to take me? And how am I going to be a part of what you're doing? What talents are you going to give me, God, to do that? I've been reading the Blackaby book, um, the Henry Blackaby Experiencing God book, and it's been just an amazing book. I can't put it down. And I go back and I listen to parts of it, and I'll put a, a link to it in the show notes. I've been listening to it from Audible. And that is so important getting connected and listening to what God wants you to do and then watching how, even when he gives you an impossible task, watching how he will give you the tools, how he will give you the abilities and the talents that you will require. And of course, cynics will say, oh, you always had that in you to begin with. Well, maybe God gave that to you and you used it for wrong purposes, but he's going to use it for good. Have you seen that? Is there a particular experience that you can point at that you can say, man, you know, I didn't expect I'd be doing that. And after I got to know the Lord, this is what happened in my life. Yeah. You know, for me, most of my life has been in church. I, I was away for a, a couple of years or so, but I think that one of the things that I think back on is um, kind of doing some Sunday school teaching and teaching youth a little bit. And I was a youth myself. I was not qualified to teach youth. I look back at that now and kind of laugh that I was put in charge of that. But anyway, from that, I went to actually teaching a music appreciation class at a local college. And I really believe if I hadn't been obedient in that area back in my younger days, then God couldn't have or wouldn't have allowed me to have other experiences in the area of teaching. So I really do think it's building on, you know, you start small, you start simple. And then God says, okay, you were faithful over that. Now let me show you what else I had in mind the whole time. Yeah, and especially when you're dealing with youth where you're not always dealing with saved youth. You're dealing in a church environment. You're dealing with everybody, you know, with the saved and the unsaved. And and, yep. and everybody's got kind of different history. And youth, of course, they don't always know how to express themselves. So you've got to really, really tune in to the Lord where that kid that's just being mean to everybody and pulling on every little girl's hair that goes by and tripping up everybody else. You know, why is he doing that? Not because he's a bad kid, not because he's terrible, but I really believe that God gives Sunday school teachers and children's ministry workers just a special understanding and comprehension of kids and a certain, a real special amount of grace 
towards children. And we really can't let things get in the way of God using us. There are three major things that can really stop us from walking in what God's plan is for us. And those are guilt, disappointment, and hopelessness. Now, guilt, of course, is for what you did. And we've talked plenty about that, so we won't go back over. But it's also disappointment in, you know, when I was in the world, I planned on doing this. And when I was in the world, I planned on doing that. And even after I became a Christian, God promised me that he was going to do this. And I felt that he was going to do that. Well, did God promise you that he was going to do this? Or did God demonstrate to you that you were going to be involved in this or that? And you actually had some predetermined expectations that sometimes God uses our failures and the way we handle them to demonstrate to other people how powerful our God is. Many people in the world set their heart on one thing. They give everything they have to this one thing. Well, I've got this one business and I've, it's got to work. It's got to work because I've, I've got every penny involved. I've got everything I own involved in this thing. And you know what? That's true when you are your source. But when God is your source, that's different. If you own a business that God put you in and it's open for three, four, five years, you know, with Serotech, it's very interesting because one of the things that's happening right now in the assistive technology industry is things are changing. When we opened Serotech, when we started Serotech, screen readers were 1100 bucks or 800 bucks, that was it. You didn't have a free screen reader on Apple. You didn't have all of these different devices that you have now that have free screen readers. We didn't have an NVDA. If we would have had an NVDA, I would submit to you that Serotech would have never put out a screen reader because the only reason we put one out was because we wanted a lower cost alternative to what was out there already. But our marketplace is changing And the possibility of us not developing a screen reader in the future, don't get me out of context now, people. I'm not saying that our screen reader is going to go away, but the possibility for me for long-term vision for my company, if I would have built this company exclusively depending on a screen reader and saying, you know, I'm going to feed my kids exclusively on a screen reader, I'd be very concerned right now because the profitability of a screen reader, of free screen readers being embedded in everything we deal with in the next five or seven years is quite high. So I don't like going into situations that God leads me to with long-term goals, long-term expectations, because the Bible speaks of everything being for a season. You have seasons. I see people who are in a church and then God moves them out. You know, something happens. And generally, I see where people move out of a church and it takes an argument or some derogatory situation for them to get out of there. And when they get out of there, they realize God has been calling them out of that situation for a while, for a greater good. But only when God took away their favor in that situation did they realize, oh, God must want me to move. Why? Because we walk into situations with predetermined expectations of what they should be. And that creates this blockage in being able to flow in what God calls us to be. And that's disappointment. And of course, disappointment leads to hopelessness. Oh, 
I'll never be anything. I'll never amount to anything. You know, God can't use me. I fail at everything. I'm hopeless. God doesn't love me. You know, and we need to begin by establishing that God loved you first. God loved me first. God demonstrated his love to us 2,000 years ago on a cross at Calvary. So anything that you go through in your life that seems a little bit of a challenge, don't you dare tell yourself that God doesn't love you. And I don't mean it, don't you dare, like you terrible person, you. I mean, don't you dare. Don't you dare. That's the one thing that you can always definitely be assured of is that God loves you so much that he loves you and cares for you so much and you are so special to him. You are more special to him than anything in the world, anything that he's ever created. You are the most special thing to God. And there is no person, nothing that's ever going to love you the way that God does. So don't ever be hopeless. You know, with God, there's always hope. There's always faith. But you need to trust and you need to rely on God, and you need to believe that God is for you. And if he be for you, then who be against you? Why don't we turn in our Bibles real quick, I want to show you something, to Acts chapter 10. I want you to go down to verse 13. And I do believe that this applies here. In this particular case, Peter is sitting on the roof at at Cornelius's house. You remember the story, Jamie? He's He's up there, and it's about lunchtime. Oh, yeah. And, and he's getting a little hungry and his tummy's growling. And all of a sudden he has this vision of this big sheet that comes down out of the sky. And it's got all kinds of, you know, animals on it, hoofed animals and creepy crawling things. The Bible says, and God says, Peter, arise, kill, eat. And what does he do here, Jamie? Well, he says, no way, God, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. So, God, you kind of made a mistake there. I hate to correct you, but you, you know, I realize you're the one who wrote scripture, but you you got it wrong here. (laughs) Two words, Blackaby said it best, dude. Two words that do not ever belong in the same sentence is no, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, Lord. Those two words never belong in the same sentence. It's, yes, Lord. Yeah, there's even a song. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. You know, right. and uh, you may want to auto-tune that. Because <laughs> I probably sang it horribly. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. But, I mean, and God comes back and says no. And this is the part that's so important to me. Because, you know, we have an accuser, the Bible says. And that's the enemy of our souls. And his name is Satan, the devil. Okay. He is not the opposite of God. (laughs) A lot of people say, oh, well, God and the devil, you know, the devil's the opposite of God. No, he's not. No, (laughs) he's just evil. And he's just like that little fly flying around trying to bug you and trying to tell you, oh, you're bad. Oh, you're this, you're that. And God says, no, you're none of these things. God answered Peter here because Peter said, well, no, I used to do it this way. And God says, no, trust me, I'm God and you can't do it your way anymore. Why? God changed the rules. I mean, he just, he said, look, I've cleansed it. I've taken care of this problem. If I've cleansed it, you don't consider it unholy. That's right. And that's the point. When you came to Christ, 
when you accepted Jesus, the Bible says the blood of Christ covers your sins and that you have been forgiven and they've been washed away with the blood of Jesus and that you are now clean, white as snow. So what God has purified, no way, no way does anyone, no devil in the world could ever call it unholy. So don't ever do that. Understand that God is for you and he loves you. This one really grabbed me in kind of an interesting way tonight because we talked before about Jesus healing the blind man. And the blind man didn't, if he were in this century, no, no, give me back that braille, give me back that talking computer. He just praised God and he embraced all that his healing involved. Jesus released people from demon possession and they didn't look back to that. Yet here was Peter, the rock, and Jesus released him from bondage and he couldn't deal. No, no, this can't be, this isn't right. And it's interesting because it shows that no matter how great we are or how far we've come, there's never a time that we don't need God to call us. There's never a time that we shouldn't focus on his voice. Absolutely. And and it's interesting. To, <laughs> I think it's so like Peter. No, Lord. Yeah, you won't <laughs> you know? wash my feet. Yeah. Good luck with that. And did you have no part of me? Well, then, yeah. Okay. okay. Then my head and everything else, you know, it didn't stop there, did it? But God is so gracious and he's so awesome. And he does have a plan for us. And he does have a plan for us blind folks. That's so important because right where you are, your blindness, my blindness, it's not a mistake. We've called it blind by design. And I sincerely believe that. And our purpose tonight is to ask God, you know, God, I've heard this. I have a a feeling that this may be true. You've led me to hear these words. So demonstrate to me your plan. What's your calling on my life? What is it that you are doing that you're going to use me to be a part of? What is it that you're going to do in me and through me? And you watch and write us. Tell us. Let us know. Let us know these testimonies. And we'd love to not only read your letters, but hear your Maybe even bring you on here and interview you and hear your testimony. But do write us at info at blindjesusfreak.com. And we'd love to know just what God is doing in your life. What is that calling he's putting in your life? What is that burden he's laying on your heart to do? And how is he calling you to serve him in this world that the harvest is so much and the laborers are so few? You guys need to get up. Get up, children of God. And those of you that aren't children of God yet, you are children of God. (laughs) You just need to go back home to dad and invite Jesus into your heart today. But do write us, do drop us a line at uh, www.blindjesusfreak.com, info at blindjesusfreak.com. Follow us on Twitter at blindjesusfreak. Jamie, before we go, do you have any closing comments here? I think that I've been challenged tonight to just be open. Do I have some areas that maybe God wants to shake up? Probably, because if I didn't, you wouldn't be teaching on this. I will never forget as long as I live I was in church, my dad was preaching, and he made a comment, you know, life's an exam, and sometimes you have to pass the test. The following Sunday morning, my pastor said the exact same thing, and I was at that point that I said, okay, God, I think uh, maybe I'm starting to kind of hear a pattern here. 
And it wasn't very long after that that some job changes occurred in my life that actually led to me coming to Serotech. So I definitely had a life exam to deal with. And so, hey, maybe we're all dealing with something right now we're going to in the near future. And I think what you've said about just knowing that God has our best in mind, He loves us, He cares for us, and that sometimes He shakes us up and challenges us, lights a bush on fire, or says, eat something that you don't think you like. (laughs) He's going to do that because He has to be in control so that we are not in control. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us tonight. Lisa, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, everybody out there in the uh, chat, thank you for your participation. I know we went kind of long tonight. Uh, apologize for that, but you know how it is. We got good news to share. And That's besides right. the fact, we're Jesus freaks, man. We just love talking about this stuff. We could be here talking all night. So thank God we're stopping now. <laughs> Until next time, God bless you. And remember, everybody's got to be a freak about something. So be a freak about Jesus. Thank you for checking out the Blind Jesus Freak podcast with your host, Mike Calvo, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment and you made it this far, we see you stuck around. If you learned something, we invite you to add us to your favorite podcasting software and make us a Part of your regular biblical studies. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yes, the pun is totally intended. So stop being politically correct and let's just relate to one another as God's kids. For more information about this ministry, visit us on the web at www.blindjesusfreak.com and learn how easy it is for you to connect with us and a bunch of other Jesus Freaks on your favorite social networks. Remember, everybody's a freak about something. Join us and be a freak about Jesus. After all, he's crazy about you.